All right, welcome to a new episode of the Queen City Roundup. I am Joey Kanji. With me is Matthew Spaniolo, the birthday boy. I'm old, dude. I'm older than you. Shut up. Wow, you sounded very aggressive when you didn't need to be. Uh, you're not you're old. Start. I'm only 22. Oh, you're younger than me. What are you now? You're 21. You can drink in the I, U.S. I can drink in the U.S. And what's funny was my grandmother actually called, uh, and she was like, you can drink now. And I'm like, drink for two years but sure <laughs> um but yeah if i ever go to the states now i can uh, order do, uh, what do italian nonnas know right like they've been giving us wine since we i were mean 12. yeah i never really had that to be honest because oh, no what my, my, my on my dad's side they weren't really big drinkers on my mom's side they were because they'd still make them they'd still make the wine like mm-hmm. you know, here and there um my nonno tried to slip me uh, whiskey one time. It was either whiskey or homemade wine. I think it was like just before the hockey game. Cause like he always used to like sip whiskey while watching the Leafs, which uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to need a lot of that. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a bit. But before we get to that, we got Raptors talk and Blue Jays talk as well today. Not really much going on with them. So we are going to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs and what the hell happened to them. But with that, hold on to those words because we've got our friends at Talking Some Sends podcast who will join us in just about like 30 seconds from now. So they're actually in the waiting room right now. So we'll pause this recording and bring them in and we'll analyze that absolute giant fart, as I described it, that happened last night. Okay. Okay. So here are our guests for this week. Uh, We figured after last night's uh, giant fart, or as I'd call a turd sandwich, because it was literally two pieces of bread in the form of the goals, and then just the meat in the middle, which was a meat pie. We had to get uh, our buddies from Talking Some Sands over here. Uh, So we got Jacob. Uh, I'm going to do some really butchered uh, white version of these uh, these very French names. We got Jacob Lavier and uh, Alex Langlois or Langlois, whatever. There you go. Whatever one it was. Um, (laughs) So now that I got I I, I let Matt do this because I can't. I'm terrible at French. I so, was horrible um, at it for the years I had to do it in school. I just don't think it's taught very well, but it's just me. <laughs> That's fair. Um, so thank you both for coming on to discuss this horrific event that happened. Well, horrific for us, not horrific for you. Um, and now that I have shown you my very limited and distant grade nine French uh, chops, first reactions of what went through your mind I guess we'll start from the second period onward because I'm sure the first period was just death. My honest opinion, what the hell happened? You're, you're asking, are you asking me or telling me? <laughs> I'm asking you, what the hell happened? The, uh, the, the, my, my brief and precise analysis of what happened is the Toronto Maple Leafs just pooped themselves. They filled honestly, their diapers. Yeah. I think honestly, it's not even that uh, that Toronto uh, got uh, um, just shot the better. I think it's Ottawa rallied rallied around the around the deficit. They were sick and tired of losing, so they finally just gave it their all. And this is what happened. I don't think Toronto was expecting it. Honestly, don't. I think it's just uh, Ottawa somehow woke up and shit happened. I see it as like Ottawa's just like a desperate hockey team right now, just like desperate for some win. So they just like it's the first game of three, and they want to make a statement coming out of the game. They want to finish strong at the very least, so they gave them everything they had. And 
I just don't think the Leafs were expecting that coming into the third period. Gentlemen, I have a theory. If you look at the Ottawa Senators' wins on the year, they only have four. Two back-to-back, two back-to-back. Two, four, yes, two back-to-back recently. But worth noting, all four of those victories have come over the top three teams in the North Division. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, are they only going to try against these three teams? I don't think it's like, And when it's like Vancouver and Calgary, they're just going to be, or Edmonton, they'll be like, ah, it's okay. I don't think it's that. I think it's that Ottawa's obviously not the best team in North Division. They're not the best team in the NHL. But I think Clearly. that, honestly, I think that Toronto underestimated them. If Ottawa's given some space and some time, they can make stuff happen. Like, I'm not saying that we've got Makar McDavid. We don't have Austin Matthews. We don't have superstars yet. We've got some great players who can move the puck, and if given chances, they can capitalize. And I think that's what happened last night. I think that Toronto got a little tired and a little, uh, little uh, um, gave up a little bit. They, they thought they had it in the bag 5-1. I guess 5-1 is a new 4-1. That's what I got to say. No, no, no. It's not the new 4-1. There, every single lead is the new 4-1. Pretty much. Uh, so, Alex, you look like you want to uh, dive in here. It looks like you're uh, looking at your top just to get some thoughts in. Yeah, I mean, any chance, any, chance I, <laughs> any chance I get to say something, but the sense beating the lead, so I'll jump in. But... Um, Sorry, <laughs> um, but yeah, you deserve it. That uh, that game, the first second period, I was like, I, I was zoned out by the second period. I was kind of in the on my chair, scrolling through my uh, fancy hockey team, kind of hoping, hope, hoping they had a better night than the Sens. And then girlfriend went to bed, and the last thing she said to me before she went to bed is, "Your team sucks." And <laughs> went to bed, and then eleven thirty when she woke up to go to the washroom, I was like, "Guess what? My team won." So that's pretty much how the night and night went and how I reacted to that. <laughs> so uh, a little bit of a backstory behind this. I don't know if Joey knows this. I don't, I think the group chat does. So um, I have a buddy of mine that I go to college with who is a sense fan. He grew up in the Kingston area. Um, and he would always try and chirp me about how the sense are good. Um, more, more so I wrote, uh, I don't think it was published, but uh, I had a piece which was basically like, uh, I don't even know what it would be classified as. It was like the the best like moves. Like I would grade every Canadian team off division. And I put like the sense at like a B. And he got mad at me. He's like, they should at least be an A minus. And I'm like, I went back like a few weeks ago. I'm like, A minus, huh? Like, are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> um, so I stupidly, I need to look at the timestamp for this one. Uh, I sent him a DM around, I believe. So, so what you're saying is that this is all your fault. Yes. So at 837 last night, which was, I believe it was midway through the second period. I sent him a DM saying my condolences to your hockey team. Uh, and oh, within God. the next couple of, uh, within the next hour, I royally had, basically had him shit down my throat and it was not fun. Um, I don't know what to, I I can't fathom what happened. I I think like what it was is the Sanders finished that, um, that second period strong with uh, Nick Paul scoring with what was it? Nine seconds left. Something like that. Yeah. And like, you don't, especially for the Leafs, you don't want to end a period like that. Being especially when you're up, you don't want them to go into the dressing room feeling feeling good about themselves. 
which I think was like the big thing. Like, if that goal doesn't happen, I don't think the Sens are coming back. I think they're just like defeated going into the locker room. They don't have that jolt of energy in going into the locker room. So like, yeah, that's what it is. And like, honestly, like credit to the Sens there. They're never going to be like an easy team, especially against the Leafs. Like historically, they play the Leafs pretty well, no matter where they are in the standings. There's, you're always going to be more amped up for those rivalry games, like the Battle of Ontario. So, so yeah, like that's just that's just my takeaway from it. I'm more worried. I'm more concerned about how the Leafs come out the next two games than than this game because if they if this is just like a one off, it's fine. Because especially like especially this season with how good the Leafs have been at like holding leads for the most part, which is like the thing that really impressed me. Like through the first like <laughs> through the first like 13 games of the year, but yeah. I don't know. This is this is when you just burn the tape and just and just go at it again. This to me shows uh, that both that this to me and I have kind of thought about this over the last like less than twenty four hours because I didn't start processing this until obviously like nine p.m. going onward. Um, but uh, every team in the North Division is pretty shit. Uh, <laughs> I don't mean to sound like a pessimist, but like Leafs are still leafing. The Habs are far from perfect. Vancouver's a nightmare. Vancouver is very, very garbage. The Sens were expected to be not as garbage as they are, but you get what the drift is. Uh, Edmonton is a two-man show that uh, is literally just throwing everything with like super glue at the wall and like praying that it sticks. Uh, and then Winnipeg is the one that's surprisingly doing the most well, I would say, but like, you know, I, I still can't even call them good because like, there's still very, like there's still too many holes. Connor Hellebuck makes them look a lot better than they are. Yeah, if you want me to add in, like, I think to your analysis, the only team in the North division who's really exceeded expectations were the Winnipeg Jets. Winnipeg Jets has that offense. They have um, uh, Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler. They had Patrick Lining, who they traded for uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. They have that offense. Nick Ehlers, Kyle Connor, they have those guys. They have a decent depth. Their goaltending is great. Their defense has been abysmal. Like, like, like they lost their entire right side of the decor last year, and they're slowly building their way back up. But I think that Winnipeg, honestly, were they had their best chance of winning the cup when they had that decor. Now that now either they've got to rebuild that decor somehow or shake things up, in my opinion. It's 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 at that time for the Winnipeg Jets for me that they have to do something or they're never gonna win. The thing with Winnipeg is just like the, the the small market idea, just because like it's it's really just like no one really wants to play in Winnipeg, which like I get it. Like if you told me like I could play pro hockey, but I had to go to Manitoba, like it's nothing against Manitoba. It's a it's a great province with great uh, you know sites and whatnot. It's just too freaking cold, man. If you guys have ever seen me on on Twitter, I have a conspiracy theory that Winnipeg doesn't even exist. So there you go. That's yeah, just. I mean, I'm not as controversial <laughs> as my my co-hosts here. Um, but again, like going back to like like to re, uh, kind of like restating what what Jake just said. Like the north of it, there's so many holes and like okay, Montreal. Everyone expected to be like this juggernaut. They're never gonna lose any games. You know, run away with the division and. That's what they all thought. Then they realized, oh, they just played Vancouver a lot. And like Joey said, Vancouver is 
excuse me, uh, Vancouver is really, 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 really bad. And I think what it really comes down to is when you play a bad team over and over, I think this kind of shows how weird the divisions are and how bad teams that are, you know, were bad last year could make a change this year. It's kind of like how baseball was. If Joey wants to chime in on that, like how the Miami Marlins who were like the worst team in baseball two years ago, went to the playoffs because why not? So like, I feel like just this kind of re-emphasizes the NHL is full of frauds. Like there goes without saying. Oh, there's just way too much parody in the NHL, a lot more than all the other sports leagues. But uh, anyways, I want to get back on, on top. You kind of drifted away about the, the Leafs and Sens games. Um, what uh, what do you Sens fans expect for the next two games? Like, there's no way you're expecting another collapse from the Leafs again. <laughs> I don't think that, like, I'll go back to my theory that I think the Leafs sort of underestimated the Senators. I think that with that last game, they're going to estimate, like, not, wow, I, I sound like Michael Scott there. I think they're going to finally, like, evaluate the Senators as better than they thought they were. Like, the Senators are not a great team yet. It's a transition year. But I think that the Leafs are going to start taking the Sens a bit more seriously because the Senators always seem to pick up, take it up a notch in those crucial divisional, obviously divisional this year, but like uh, those crucial Battle of Ontario games, I think Senators always take it up take it up a notch. And I think that Toronto's going to want to be ready for that. I expect a lot more offense from Toronto, but I honestly expect their defense to try to contribute to the offense and kind of be a little shaky. That's how I value the Toronto Maple Leafs being this next next little stretch. I've noticed that the, that the Toronto Maple Leafs defense, when it's a little a uh, little bit of a uh, um, when they're not doing so well defensively, they want to try to contribute in moving the puck instead of focusing on that deep play. And I think that's what Otto wants to capitalize on if they have a chance at all at this uh, at this um, three game stretch. Well, now two games left, but yeah, I think that the Senators are gonna. Keep throwing animosity at the Leafs, and we'll see if the Leafs can keep up. Well, like physically. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of like the the, the Senators are hot garbage. Um, there's no question about that. But they've def they're definitely better than the way they started. Like the team that we seen last night with more of the Sens that we kind of expected going into the season. Not that they're going to win every game, but they at least put up a fight instead of getting blown out like. 8-1, 9-1, or whatever the scores were the last couple games. But um, I expect the Leafs to bounce back in the next one. I think the Leafs are just going to come out hard and just hammer the sense. That's I, I, and, I, and it's, it's 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 weird for me saying that because I'm normally the optimistic sense fan. But um, the Leafs, I think this loss that last night kind of woke the Leafs up a little bit um, and kind of first like the first the the first animosity or kind of wall they kind of hit, and now they're like you know what we need to bounce back and show that we're real contenders. So I they're going to come out firing on all cylinders for sure. Yeah. The thing that I find, sorry, Matt, to cut you off, but the thing that I find different about this year's team than the, uh, than last year's team is like, now we have more of a veteran presence in the room. Like when you have like guys like Joe Thornton in there and like Zach Bogosian, like okay, Zach Bogosian had an awful game last night, but he knows what it's like to be on a winning team. And he, I'm sure Tampa Bay had losses like that last year too. And like, they would always um, come right back to them, even though they won the Stanley Cup. Like games like that just happen. Then to me, what's more telling is not like losing those games, but how you bounce back from them. And having guys like Jumbo in the locker room, like they're not going to let them come out flat. Um, 
they're not, yeah, they're not going to let them come out. The guys come out flat like tomorrow night or even on, on Thursday night as well. So, so yeah, that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. I want to see the Leafs jump back and just, <laughs> you guys won't like this, but just absolutely pummel the, the senators. I think honestly, like you mentioned uh, some veteran guys. I think uh, Zach Bogosian is a great example of what you want out of a veteran. Like I know he's not the greatest player, but a veteran player on a great team can do wonders. If you look at Cedric Paquette in Ottawa, he played on a winning team in Tampa Bay. He was good in Tampa Bay, but that's good. Tampa Bay had a great team and only needed only needed him to play nine or ten minutes a night. Well, once you throw him in a team like Ottawa, who needed him to play in a bigger role, you expose his weaknesses, and that's what happened with Cedric Paquette, and that's what's going to happen with Zach Bogosian, in my think, in my opinion. I think that if Zach Bogosian plays in a similar role that he played in Tampa Bay, he's going to flourish in Toronto. But I think it all depends on his ice time. You know, it all depends on his ice time and role. To me, what this loss kind of reminds me of a little bit. I don't know if Joey remembers this or not, or if any Leaf fans remember this. Um, <clears throat> uh, but there was a game last year. It was around this time, ironically, around uh, middle of February. Uh, the Leafs went to Pittsburgh to play the first half of a home and away back-to-back against uh, Pittsburgh. And I mean, obviously this one was, that one was not a collapse. That one was just a completely burn the tape game, wash, didn't show up, poor showing. And the next game they come home and everyone expects them to continue to flounder. And then they come and show one of their strongest performances, probably of the last three years against at that point, the one of the best teams in the NHL and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Obviously, they're not playing Pittsburgh now. They're playing a lot of the same opponents. I feel like, to me, another game that kind of reminds me, and this is one that's even more recent, is the Columbus series. Because game three, everyone remembers the Leafs, uh, you know, were up 3-0, evaporated pretty quickly, and they lose an OT. Then the, the next game, they somehow pull the hand of God out of their little hockey butts and win the game somehow. Uh, we don't talk about game five after that. Um, but I feel like this is one of those things where, and I'll, I'll, I'll run the question because I'm genuinely curious if they do it um, right after. But I feel like this is going to be one of those you know times where they're going to definitely take one. Two, if they lose two of three, then all eyes are going to be like, okay, what is on this team? And I want to throw this question to the floor here because I'm personally thinking about it. Does this team just say screw it and play Hutch tomorrow, like tomorrow night or whatever this episode goes up, which I'm assuming is Wednesday. So like the night where when this episode goes up. I honestly am not sure. I think uh, Hutchinson is... Not as good as I wanted him to be. A couple of years ago, I was always rooting for Michael Hutchinson to get a shot at the NHL. When he finally did, he played like dog shit. And I can, I was, I admit I was wrong on Hutchinson. I don't know. He he's had a couple of good games here and there, but I don't know if he's that guy for Toronto. As much as, as much as you can blame that third period on Frederick Anderson because you don't allow four goals in one. Period. I think he was honestly a little left to dry out of third grade. I don't think it's completely his to be blamed on. 
yeah, I, yeah I, I mean, oh, sorry, go ahead. And that's a tough one. I think you go back with Anderson, um, kind of show, you know, give him that you have, you know, faith in him that he'll, he'll come back and play a stellar game and then maybe go Hutchinson in the third game um, on the, on the back to back there. But I think you would go back to Anderson, um, but that's just what I would personally do. If only you had Aaron Dale, eh? <laughs> Let's not talk about that, please. Um, for me, it's about it's more about Jack Campbell, but whatever. He'll be back in like next week, I I think is the timeline. Yeah. So uh, you guys just miss him. You guys are lucky. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I think you put Freddie back out just because um, you want to get his confidence back up. Like I don't know where it's at right now. Like he was playing pretty well for like the last like few weeks before this game. So. You just want to put him back out there and make sure that like everything's good and like that, because like at the end of the day, that's like the most important thing is the success of your starting goalie if you want to be a winning team. So I think you put him back out there just to like just give him a, another shot. I'm sure he's hungry for it. I'm sure he wasn't impressed with his game last night either, and he just wants to get right back out there and, and show everyone what he's got. So, so yeah, that's a that's what I that that's how I see it. Does Freddie Anderson just kind of shit the bed against the Sens, it feels like? Because I feel like I know he's had some really good games against Ottawa, but like more games than not when they played the Sens, I feel like he doesn't really show up. And like, don't get me wrong, he was not the reason why they lost. I mean, he won in a couple of really ones, but like. At know, least you don't have Marcus Hogberg. Yeah, that is very. Yeah, he, made, he made some big saves last. I think it's one of those things where like you you expect too much of your goalie, but also you need to think like you know your defense needs to be better and kind of like you know reemphasizing what Jake said about how the Leafs defense needs to be a lot tighter. Uh, to me, looking at this defense right now, I really did not like uh, that second pair. Uh, but I mean, again, it's one of those things where the you know. The ones who really stood up, especially like on the forward core, like the that second line of Tavares, Nylander, and Mikhaev, they need to come out and show a better performance than they did on the uh, on the game last night. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, we could move on now to uh, like where do you guys think this game would rank in the total battle of Ontario rivalry with all the great games that these teams have had throughout the years. Like where, where would you rank this one? Given I'm a younger sense fan, I'm only 18 years old. I'm honestly going to pass this one off to Alex because he's a bit older than I am, but I really, really like that. Like out of all the games I watched, that was probably my favorite one. I appreciate the modest. Well, you, but um, yeah, I, it's something to- the 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 era where you know the early two thousand four the early two thousands two thousand seven those are some wicked battle of Ontario so um, this one definitely ranks but I don't know if it'd be the top top five there were some good playoff battles it always seemed like the Leafs when uh, the, the Sens always had a really good season they ran into the Leafs in the playoffs and they always went to Game Seven or something like that so I think it ranks I think it just misses the top five. For me. Well, what is it? Oh, for four, the Sens are against the Leafs in the playoffs. Yeah, so. something, something like that. The little Lemo <laughs> always just let us down there. Yeah, um, that's actually one of my very first hockey memories is watching one of those Battle of Ontario's. That Patrick Lalim goal, the one that snuck through his legs, I believe it was a Joe Newendike's lap shot from the from the half wall that snuck through. That's like one of my first hockey memories. 
I was, what year was that? I think, I believe that was 2004. That was 2004. That was 2004. Yeah, so I was six years old. we won a playoff series. (laughs) (laughs) Going great. That's going great. Mm. Oh, you, I'm numb to it. It's fine. Anyways, one of my favorite Battle of Ontario memories is, I actually like, don't remember this live. I was probably too young, but I've seen seen the highlight of it a dozen times is uh, Darcy Tucker just taking on the entire Senator's bench that one time. I can't remember if that was a playoff game or not, but I just remember the intensity and like the Battle of Ontario at that time was just like, it was just another level. I can't even describe it. It was just like the, the animosity these two teams had towards each other was, was real. Like they did not like each other. Yeah, I remember going to a couple games. Uh, in Ottawa, and I, I think one time we were coming out of the parking lot, and there was actually like someone throwing rocks. I think it was a Sense fan throwing rocks at a Leafs fan's car, like that. But it got like it got heated in the in the ring, and yeah. there was always fights and stuff. Like, like the the rivalry was wild, and this game kind of remind, kind of gave me some fl- old flash to that. But um, it's nice to see that it's a bit more competitive. Where before Ottawa one always doing the stomping on the Leafs back when they were doing the rebuild. Now it seems like it's going to be the one that's going to lead the way, but it's going to be exciting to see them get back, back to the classic Battle of Ontario. Mm-hmm. Kind of what I like. I remember like five, six years ago when the Leafs were like unwatchably bad um, and they would, you know, still play spoiler. And this is when like Ottawa was having those like miracle playoff runs. Uh, those were the games that were the most. 2014, I thought had some really good ones, especially uh, when both teams were technically on the fringe of being good but then ultimately both of them whiffing i think that sands finished with a better record i can't remember very old uh i think to be completely honest with you like this i don't know how like realistic this kind of reminds me of a more tame version of like yankees red sox i mean obviously yankees red sox is a lot more tame nowadays but like back in like obviously like 80s 90s 2000s like you're a boston fan walking into yankee stadium you'd get like your jersey ripped off and probably like punched in the face and then if you're in boston probably but worse because it's boston um s one final question that i have before we kind of wrap it up how does it feel to beat the bruins in the playoffs because i want to know i really want to know i just i'm just genuinely curious like I, I don't know. I don't know what that team from like 17 to 18 was, but like, can't we just flip them? Wait, wait, you're, like, you're allowed to beat the Bruins in the playoffs. I thought like it was in the oh. CBA that you can't. No, no, no. The CBA is only that it like only every team in, in the Eastern conference, which is well, two, two thirds of the Eastern conference is allowed to, to beat them. Mm, okay. And, okay. Uh, just making sure set the sends and the halves. Um, but of course, the Leafs don't don't get that. I don't know. I guess because you know Boston Boston sports fans have have such a long play. You know, like it's only been like what four years since they last won a. Ch- like I I can't even four years. Like eleven. How do they how do they even support team anymore? Four years. I mean, well, I'm talking about like Boston sports in general, which was like 2018. No, oh, the Patriots last one it's in been, 2019. So yeah, less than that. Two okay, years. wait. Random question. This, and then we drop you guys' socials. This is the 10-year anniversary of the Bruins winning the Stanley. Where were you in the Vancouver riots happened? Oh, I was probably <laughs> I was in grade seven. 
I, yeah, remember, I, was, it was, I was in grade four. I remember I was, it was, was the three when that happened. Goodness gracious. <laughs> I was in grade 10, so I was probably doing homework or studying for. I remember, I remember like I was very like, naive and young at the time. And like I was just like, I hope a Canadian wins. And then I wake up and there's like fires in the streets of downtown Vancouver. I remember like, it was it was the talk of, of all the. Of all of, the, of all my friends, like the, that next morning, they were like just laughing at Vancouver. <laughs> my favorite uh, meme that I saw was uh, the picture of the Eagles celebrating their Super Bowl win, and then the Vancouver 2011 uh, post Game Seven riot, and it was like, which one is the celebration and which one is the riot? Ah, Philly fans. And everyone. So the first 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 comment I saw was yes. So. That just goes to show, uh, I guess that's the closest thing we're ever going to see to like a crazy, I don't think it would happen if it was in like Toronto, Ottawa, or Montreal. Montreal? I mean, Montreal, they've had some, some crazy riots. I think they Montreal, they, they like to riot there. They, 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 they rioted one year because a Metallica concert got canceled. I was just about to talk about <laughs> that. Metallica GNR uh, dual concert where James Hetfield fire and they had to end their set prematurely. And uh, of course, that led to Guns N' Roses being like, "Screw this! I don't want to go ahead and uh, play second fiddle to lighting myself on fire." Like, how do you top that? Seriously, um, this is probably everything I just said on this podcast. But back in those Vancouver riots, I was God's gift to hockey. Yeah, I think like everyone's like, "Oh, this is so fun," and then you're just like, "Yeah, this guy's." Uh, a piece of shit yeah for this is back when like everyone uh, everyone hated ryan kessler it was just like more half the, like half hated him half liked him and then everyone was just, like yeah ryan kessler's really shit um but yeah um we're gonna wrap up here um we're probably gonna do this again because there's two more games to go through and many more um so, would you like to plug our uh, our friends twitters uh sure uh, sure so uh yeah follow actually i'll let them do it themselves they can uh oh yeah do it advertise themselves better than i can <laughs> you find me on twitter at jacob revere you can find alex at alex Longwa 15 you can find our show at some sense on twitter all right there you go so yeah yeah, yeah. Give them, give our friends a follow for some good uh, takes. And uh, thanks for coming on, guys. We'll do this again before the the Canadian division wraps up. Yeah, thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, no problem. Take care. Love talking hockey with you guys. (laughs) All right. Yeah, do this again. All right. So big thanks to our friends at uh, Talking Some Sense to talk some Battle of Ontario. Again, go shoot them a follow. We'll and uh on on twitter and social media and yeah they're good they're good dudes so uh so you go do that they're fun people Mm -hmm. anyways one thing that was kind of just sprinkled in there before the the game last night is the leafs acquiring uh alex galchenyuk which came out of nowhere i thought i didn't hear anything any rumors or anything suggesting that it just kind of kind of oh yeah and this happened um so yeah, do you want to give your thoughts on that? Uh, different. I know, like <clears throat> the thing with like Alchenyuk, like there's going to be two sides of it. There's going to be 
the side of like, oh, he's a former third round, a third overall pick. Uh, he scored 30 goals like a friggin' forever ago. Um, you know, there could be promise there. Um, <clears throat> and then there's the other side, like, why do this move at all? Uh, to me, it's like, again, like, like I said, it's very indifferent. I don't really care. Um, considering like, okay, yeah, eating, eating a million this year, especially. On a well, team. it's prorated, so it's under a million. So the contract is variable. Oh, right. So you, you can bury that money if you need to. Um, if you do decide to waive him again, I don't think he's going to pick up Galch as he was. I believe he waivers. <clears throat> Why is my throat so dry? Um, but he cleared waivers. Uh, obviously, he's kind of like one of those commodities that no one really wants. Um, I don't really know what you do with him. I'll let you kind of chime after, but like um, with what they gave up, uh, David Warzowski, oh well, I guess they just a career AHL. They lost the Kasperi Capitan. Oh no, no, I'm kidding. They didn't. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, Igor Korshkov, which uh, some Leaf fans were crying, that we know, right? Yeah. Um, honestly, to me, this is like the definition of like a no risk move because you traded a guy who was just going to play in the AHL. He was never making the Leafs. And you traded uh, Igor Korshkov, who only played one NHL game which was, by the way, a year ago today because I was at that game in Buffalo. Um, (laughs) Wow, that was the last sporting event I went to a year ago. Damn. Um, Anyways, off topic. Yeah, and you're treating uh, Igor Korshkov, who's 25 years old, only had one one career NHL game, and all signs point was pointing to that if he was ever going to play in the NHL on a regular basis, it was not going to be with the Leafs to begin with anyways. And I believe that he didn't really want to come back to the Leafs just because of um, just because like he didn't see a fit there. He was way too far down the depth chart. And let's be honest, if you're from Russia and you're, you have the chance to either make league minimum and play on the fourth line or have a top six role in Russia and make probably more money, you're going to pick Russia. Right. So yeah, to me, you're losing two nothings for, for a maybe. And another thing that this tells me is that I have a feeling that Jimmy VC, Jimmy VC experiment is on its last legs in Toronto. I have a feeling that that they'll try Galchenyuk on in the bottom six where they typically put VC. To me, it's kind of like the bottom six is not good enough. And I think the, front office realizes this now like the top six is the top six no matter what um there was another rumor that was reported in third thoughts um many people thought that the mystery forward that uh, Elliot was talking about was galchenyuk but it was not galchenyuk i'll get to that in a minute. um but like they talked about this a little bit on the cast uh last night but like they said the only guy the only thing i'll disagree with is they said the only guy who's won a spot in the bottom six, aside from like maybe Alex Kerfoot on uh, the third line center spot is like Jason Spezza. It's true. Spezza has been playing very well uh, in the limited ice time that he's had. This Boyd has really been a great 
Yeah, uh, like locate. Just, just to go off what you said, like uh, just a moment ago, I, I don't think that the least bottom six isn't good enough because think of like when Simmons comes back, he's taking a spot on the third line and or or even the fourth line. But I like actually really liked him when he played up with Tavares and Nylander. I think that's where he looked best in a limited limited games, but I really liked what he did there. And then you also have Nick Robertson, who's probably going to take that, take a wing spot on the third line, right? So I don't think it's good enough. I just think that, like, especially in a season like this with so many question marks, I think it's just good to have depth. And if you have Galchenyuk, like, through his struggles and all and all that, but he does have, like, some offensive upside, I think if you do that, if you have him coming in for, like, every few games or whatever. Like, I don't think he's going to be an everyday player by any means. I do think that there's potential for him to be an upgrade over Jimmy VC too. Cause Jimmy VC is just, I just forget he exists sometimes. Like it's just like, he does nothing. So um, yeah, that's what I think this is like. It's also there to like kind of push, like create that competition for those guys. Because I think that'll light a fire under them because like the fourth line, whoever like they subbed in, like I really like Travis Boyd. He's looked good. Uh, Engvall's struggled a bit for the most part. Like I haven't, I haven't minded him. He's been, he's been okay. Um, Spezza, as you mentioned, has been good. I don't really see an issue with like their fourth line. That third line's got to get going though. And if Galchenyuk is that guy, then perfect. If he's not, it's very, it's a bearable contract and he's a free agent at the end of the year. So to me, I think like the bottom six depth of things forward wise has just like like Eggvall and Mikheyev they were here last year they kind of know how to play I think they were playing together at one point uh, and like Kerfoot I think is still very underrated if you ask me he's having definitely a better start than last season uh, 42 points but I think it's definitely going to be uh, relatively along the lines of like you know 25 maybe 30 if he if he gets lot of points uh to me the winger depth is just really really poor and i think this is really when you look at like guys like Kapanen and Janssen and you kind of wish like I had at least one of them uh i think if i had to pick between the two i would have to keep uh keep Janssen but obviously app and you know the uncertainty of this season you had to shed a lot of contracts um to me like like you said the vc experiment has not worked at all um, he had a decent couple, like first couple games, um, but he's just been like a defensive liability. He looks lost out there. Um, and then like you look at the other guys that are like maybe we're playing. It's like okay, you got Bear Banov, who has basically been a ghost. He's played. Uh, you have Nick Patan, who looked good one uh, during one game, but again, I like, like Nick Patan. Uh, I, I I do like him. Like that's the thing. Like. Depth isn't an option, like isn't a isn't like a weakness of this team, but I also don't think that you can have enough of it. If that makes exactly. sense, and when you have the chance to acquire that, when you have a chance to acquire depth, especially at like a no risk at all, like what you like what they did here, I think you go on it, especially especially like it's a bonus that that uh, it's a variable contract and he's a free agent at the end of the year. If it doesn't work, just wipe your hands of it, like oh well. Didn't work, and then that's that's the end of it. 
And to me, like, I mean, like the only who else do you really have that can you could plug in, like Scott Sabrin? Like, no, um, I thought no. it would be fun. It would be fun, but like, it's not ideal. I, I wholeheartedly believe he's going to start tomorrow or Thursday. One of the two, he's going to start 100. percent I think. I think the one. I think. Did they go back to Ottawa on his uh, game? Or I'm just checking. I think they're all in Toronto. I'm pretty sure. Oh yes. All in Toronto, you're right. They go to Montreal on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think definitely one of them you'll see sabbated. I honestly think it should be tomorrow or today, whenever this episode goes up. I don't think Sabrin um, should be on. Uh, I don't. I, I don't think Sabrin should be in the lineup at all. But that's just me. I don't know. He's just like he doesn't really bring any skill. All he is is like a a pair of fists, like Colt Nor, and that's it. Like, I mean, he's Colt Nor with a bit of a kick in his step for uh, for offense. I don't know. I'm just like, I, I have no issues with like fighting in the game and stuff. Not those staged fights that used to happen all the time. Like Rob Ray and Ty Domi part 26. Like I hated those, but like, right. But like players like Wayne Simmons are perfectly fine. Ones who can still contribute to the lineup and also bring that, bring that toughness. Like players who can like do it all. Like, like one of my favorite players in the league. I don't care. Like I, I, I don't like him, but I love, I love him at the same time is, is Matthew Kachuk, right? Like if you like players like that, like you want those players on your team. Yeah. Um, and I think this really just goes to show like, like I don't think they bring in Galchenyuk to play on the top pair on the top lines. Like there's, they're bringing in another third liner to me. I, I honestly, I don't have hey, a man. problem with it because I, if he can't be better than Jimmy VC, then he, then he doesn't deserve to be on this team. But, but there's also a very good chance that he is going to be better than Jimmy VC and win that spot from him. So, and um, it, it's also not a, like like I said, like I keep going back to this, but like it's a really good problem to have if you don't know who to put in on your fourth line, whether it be VC or Galchenyuk or Patan or Barabanov or Engvall, like or Boyd or Anderson. Like there's all these names that you can have in your bot who you can throw into your bottom six. And that's with Nick Robertson, not like doing a conditioning stint with the Marlies right now. For sure. Um, now the mystery forward that, uh, that Friedman was talking about, uh, Many people thought it ended up being Galchenyuk, but it was not. It was actually. That was rumored. Sorry, you kind of cut out on my end because my Wi Fi is being a little glitchy right now. Did you hear, like, the forward that they were rumored to be in on? Oh, it's Granlund, right? Yeah, Mikhail Granlund. uh, I I was hoping it was Connor Garland. Yeah, I think those are, if you have to look at the forwards. Those are two that I think are going to be very much uh, on their radar just because, like, I mean, has had rough seasons, but he's at least capable of playing in the top six. Um, and then with Connor Garland, like, he's just having a phenomenal start to his season. Also, he led the Coyotes in goals last year, which is hilarious uh, because he makes significantly less money than, like, Phil Kessel and Keller. Um, Nick Schmaltz, and he still has more goals. So, go figure. Uh, to me, I mean, like, I don't know. To me, I think the Leafs go out and get a Granlin over a Garland just because, like, I'll start with a G. Um, 
I think they they want more more finishing out of that bottom six than what they have now. But the thing is with with Garland, like especially with the season that he's had, like it's going to be a hard negotiation because he's going to be like he was scoring at like an elite pace. He's under a point per game. You know what do you pay a guy like that? Like he's definitely worth seven seven five, which is what he's making right now. Uh, and by seven seven five, I'm seven hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. I was going to say he's not making over seven million. Seven point seven seven five. I mean, on the Oilers or the Canucks, you mm-hmm. because I mean cares about uh, money management and that in those two areas. But I have a feeling if they're going to the Leafs are going to make an acqu- another acquisition. It's going to be soon, especially if it's with an American club, because you saw like what happened between Line A and Dubois, like how I think how how uh, how long Dubois missed, how many games he missed in those two weeks that he had to quarantine, right? So it's, if they're going to make a t- if they're going to make a trade with an American team, it's going to come within the next like week or two, I think. I'm really curious to see what's going to happen with the deadline because. Uh, I know it's in late March this year, of uh, mid, uh, late February, which is the, uh, the norm. No, there've been yeah. So there's a chance you acquire a player on trade deadline day, and he's not available to to play. Yeah, until mid-April. There is a chance. Um, obviously, it's very risky, just because like we still don't know what the situation looks like in the states with like their vaccination rollouts and like they're doing a lot better than us with their vaccination rollouts. Well, they're making the friggin' thing. So of course they are. I think Um, it was, uh, it was Fauci who said that like by April, like they're just going to be available to the public at like the, like their local pharmacies and stuff. Yeah. It's going to be. Yeah. And I think that like pro athletes, like NHL players and, and uh, MLB players and NBA players will have, access to it before the general public, but like there'll be more bottom on the list, like great before the general public, just because they're the ones who are traveling and like are the ones who are more at risk. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really what they're kind of going for and they're banking on right now. Mm -hmm. And I think especially now with, we're seeing like the States kind of trending downward, maybe some restrictions that ease up, but again, like we don't know. Um, I mean, now the restrictions are about to ease up here too. Yeah, and like the thing is, is with uh, with things like uh, with Garland and with Granland, I mean they're in very hot spot uh, areas in the form of uh, Arizona and, and Tennessee. So, I mean, you could definitely look at in the form of they, you know, maybe they they go ahead and they. Uh, recently it's not going to be nearly as good as the last couple and like by i mean like they'll there won't be like any moves that they to be like mlb trade deadline day or trade deadlines in like the 2000s like players are going to move especially since we're 20 games in and a 56 games and like you're more than like what you're more than halfway there or almost eight points so like players are going to move Halfway would be what twenty eight games. Yeah, we're almost uh, halfway there. You're, you're more than a quarter of the way the quarter of the way through the season. So if they don't make a march, I'm going to be very surprised. Um, and to me, looking at the way that this team is, uh, they really just need to make a move. Maybe a back end move, but like I don't know if they really do that. Uh, and then this is like, what's fair value? 
like with with Garland, I have to automatically assume that like maybe a Travis Dermott comes into play because of all the Coyotes defensemen that are all going to after this year, with the exception of OEL, which no one will take. And so like you have to think like maybe like a Miko Lettinen goes, maybe a Travis Dermott goes, uh, and I I had and I I don't know. Because I, I started having nightmares, not just because of the collapse. Because I looked at the stats and I looked at the contract and I was like, how the hell is Hyman going to stay on this team? Because you could, like, Zach Hyman reminds me of a little bit in terms of, like, being underrated. Brendan Gallagher. People are people are banking on um, Zach Hyman that he'll take, like, a hometown discount and sign for, like, three or four million or something. But if he keeps well, he, up his, his production, that's not going to happen. Like, and I don't think it should either. Like, like he should be, he should be getting paid what he's worth at the end of the day. Right. And if, if the Leafs can't afford it, they can't afford it. They have, they have a uh, Joey Anderson. Who's, who's a player like, like Hyman. And, so. and also you have to think like, you know, like is Freddie going to re up, which I think as of right now, it doesn't look likely. If they do re-up him, it's not going to be at the thing a, is, number, he's, a number greater than five. Maybe 5.5. The thing is, if he bounces. I don't, I don't like paying goalies who are over the age of 30 to be to be like your workhorse starter. Right, because we see it's happening in Montreal and, you know, the other places. Mm-hmm. And um, the thing is, what's funny is that Gallon is literally like three years younger than Carey Price and or four years younger, I should say, and playing out of his mind while Carey Price is like, I, I think I stopped pucks. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyways, let's move on to some Raptors talk. Yeah. Uh, I am not currently looking at, the, did they start against the, or is it starting now? I think it's oh, it at eight o'clock. It's starting, starting now. The tip off. Uh, so about them, uh, there was talk a certain big man that they were interested in in the form of former All Star and big and also former. Also, I didn't realize that he dated uh, what's your face from iCarly, Jeanette McCarthy. Did is not that McCarthy. Yeah, I I saw on Twitter and I was like, really? Mm -hmm. Um, But they are looking at two-time All-Star and uh, uh, Andre Drummond. I really butchered that intro, but I had to to screw something up. Um, So here's the thing. Like, Drummond's having the best year of his career. Or one of the best year of his career. One of the best offensive years of his career. I think he's shooting one of some of the best that he's been, which is very surprising because he was more well known as a defense first center. But you I don't think he was Raptors ever strong well. defensively. Okay, so I don't nothing about basketball. Um <laughs> but uh I well like the thing is is the Raptors are the worst team in basketball with rebounds. And a lot of that is 
which what we already know is that losing guys like Abaka all really uh, affect your, you know, your control and, uh, you know, defending in the, at the rim and circle, all of that uh, fun stuff. But the thing that like, I, I look at, I look at Drummond and I, I get it, but like, what's fair value for him? Because a lot of people are like, it's oh, not, just Kyle Lowry. It's not Kyle like, Lowry. Um, yeah. Personally, Drummond is someone I don't want just because he, all he does is rebound and that's it. Like he's like this season, his, okay. He's, he's only shooting 59% from, from the free throw line, but that's normal for him. He's never, he's never been a good, uh, he's never been good at that. His field goal percentage is under 50%, which is something you don't want out of your big man. Like he, he I think Baines is like doing slightly better than him. Um, and he, he hasn't looked good under the basket. Um, all he does is get rebounds and that's it. Like he's a liability defensively. And like, see what that scout said? Some NBA scout who's remaining anonymous who said he's someone who can give you a double double, but or but just have absolutely no impact on the game. And I think like a lot of people agreeing that like riding him would be a very weird fit, just because like again, I get you need a center. I mean, you have uh, you could argue Chris Boucher is technically your starting center because. I mean, even though Aaron... Davis, he's small, though, for a center. Exactly. He's more of a power forward, I think, to me. Um, and I think what we're really going to see is there really isn't a lot of big men that are on the radar in terms of, like, players that you look at and go, um, okay, this is someone that I really, you know, would consider trading... For. Um well like there are some some rumors um in terms of like like was one that many people were looking at. Uh I I read a rumor that uh the Raptors might have been interested in uh, I can't remember the other center. Uh he was on the coast, I can't remember off the top of my head. John Collins um, is someone who wants out of Atlanta. Yeah. Which is a, um, a name that really interests me. The only thing is Atlanta will probably want Terrence Davis, which I'm perfectly fine with. They'd want Terrence Davis um, and probably a bunch of draft capital, which I'd give up for John Collins. The only thing is, is that I believe he's, in the last year of his con, no, he has one more year after this year, actually, of his contract. Right, but do you, mm-hmm. yeah, but the thing is, is do you really want to go ahead and trade with? Well, no, he's so he's he's an RFA, and his qualifying offer would be um, just under six million, which in basketball terms is is nothing. And I do really like him; like he's someone who can. He's someone who can shoot fairly well. He's shooting at 54% this season. For, throughout his career, he shoots 56%. So he's just shooting slightly under his his average. He can get you – he'll average about nine rebounds a game. Um, 
one block a game and and for points 16 and a half points a game too so i mean like i feel like if the raptors would get someone like like uh, john collins it'll really help especially because like he fits what the raptors do he's a big man who's just like it's not your typical big man he can space the floor uh fairly well which is something the raptors need to um, you can't really do that with Baines as your as your center, or thank God he's gone. But like with Alex Len either, um, this is a move that I think the Raptors should definitely look into. I mean, they probably already are looking into it. Like uh, Masai yeah. and uh, Bobby Webster aren't stupid, but yeah, this is this is who I would want to target if I was running the Raptors, especially considering the fact that he's still like he's still pretty young too. He's only. He's only 23 years old right now. Right. Uh, other players that apparently are looking to be on the move, Lonzo Ball apparently wants New Orleans, which is funny because I don't know if they would really consider doing a trade like that. Um, I, don't, I don't know how that would benefit the the Pelicans to trading him, but I guess a player asks for a trade, a player asks for a trade, right? Uh, so we I talked about this a little Um on our other show takes on the nosebleeds. And it was a, a, a trade saw involving the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, if the Raptors, Kyle Lowry, uh, basically the Raptors would get uh, Josh Green, uh, Dwight Powell. And I believe James Johnson was the other name that was yes. uh, thrown in there, which is a pretty good package in terms of like depth that'll help you immediately, but also depth that'll do in the long term because of the fact that, you know, the majority of players are under control. I don't know. I'm looking at John Collins and especially if there's a chance that you can get him without having to give up Kyle Lowry. I think you do that. Cause man, I'm looking, I, I really am a big fan of, of John Collins. I like what he, I like what he has right. to offer. And to me, like those players from uh, those players from, from the Mavericks, like they're good, but not, none of them are as good as John Collins. Uh, I really do like John Collins like a lot. I'd I'd want him more than more than anybody who's probably available on the trade market right now. True, um, and also I again like the Mavs have a lot of players that they're willing to kind of part with. That's why I'm kind of like maybe leaning more towards them because like you know you can't just rely on uh, Doncic and Porzingis and like Hardaway Jr. Sometimes you get any guys, especially shooters. So that's why I think, like, you look at uh, uh, Dwight Powell is actually from Toronto. Uh, you can get a little bit more Canadian aspects to your uh, to your forte, and I believe he is under contract. Even sorry, even if the Raptors do uh, have to give up Kyle Lowry to get John Collins, I think I'd do it. I mean, like, yes, but also you need to think about like. Is that something that the Hawks would want to do? And I think right now, that's not a move I see them doing until the offseason. Um, no, I think the the Hawks will get the right package for them because the Hawks are a team that can make the playoffs. They have a lot of that star power. They've been struggling this year, but I have a feeling if they make the playoffs, they can do some damage, like win around or or two, maybe not two, but they'll, be, they'll probably win around. And if they want to add to that, like bring a, another veteran presence. I mean, they already have Rondo there as their veteran point guard, right? So they probably won't even ask for Lowry coming the other way. And if you can give them 
yeah, like I said earlier, like Terrence Davis, maybe another young piece like uh, not Flynn. Flynn, they won't they won't deal. Stanley Johnson. Yeah, maybe throwing Stanley Johnson, and and you add a bunch of a bunch of draft capital for John Collins. I want to do that. That's that that's that's what I'm going to be pulling for now. Every time we talk about the Raptors, John Collins. That one's still a little iffy to me, but I don't know. Uh, I mean, like, again, like, kind of, I mean, if you look at the East, it's so weird because considering the four team in the, like, the four, five, and six teams are all either 500 or below by one, we're not out of it per se. Like, it's very much we're not out of it. And, like, yeah, we lose to the Celtics, but, like, the Celtics aren't having that much of a better year than we are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the Celtics all have been struggling though, but I mean, I mean, I did kind of expect that from the Celtics this year. It's a lot to ask of your young guys to to lead the team like that, but yeah, I mean, anyways, it's rough. Um, are you emotionally so- ready for Kyle Lowry to get traded? Because it looks like things will be heading into that direction. Yay. Okay, now you're not frozen. Uh, oh, considering you froze for me, I'm going to try and paraphrase what you just said. Uh, basically, yeah, the question was, am I emotionally ready for a Kyle Lowry trade? Uh, and for that, I would say yes, but only under the right circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, my cousin and I were having a conversation about this, and he was saying that he only sees, beside doing the deal, if he Lowry to a contender, but the thing is, is like there really isn't many teams that would be interested. He, the three teams that he mentioned were Philly, the Clippers. I can't remember the third one. I think he said the third one would be Miami, even though they're not contending. Uh, but like they're real. Like this is like if you look at the if you look at Philly, like what do you get back? Besides, like, draft capital, because they have a lot of draft picks. Like, do you get, like, uh, I don't know, like, who would you get realistically from the 76ers roster? I think the big piece coming to Toronto would be, like, a Matthias Theibel, who's, like, a young young up-and-coming. Like, you know, he's, like, a really good defender, so I think he'd be able to fit well. But, man, I keep on looking at John Collins, and I'm like, he's not John Collins, though. John Collins is what the Raptors need. I mean, I guess, uh, I guess so. That's um, really I actually don't that. know what the draft capital looks like of what the 76ers can offer, but I don't think, like, I don't think they, they gave up many of their picks, right? Yeah. I mean, like they still have all their picks from, I think the only hmm. picks that they gave up were, I think the 2020 first, uh, no, they didn't. Their 2020. They have their 2019 first, uh, and their 2019 first, which uh, went to the the Spurs for Kawhi. I don't think they gave up any other ones. No, I'm talking about what draft capital the 76ers would be able to to send uh, our way. But and I, don't they have a bunch of? Hmm? Sorry, you I kind of glitched for a sec. Did. On my end, don't they? Don't the Sixers have a lot of like, uh, 
what's the word I'm thinking? Uh, pick swaps. I don't know. I have to, I have to look that up, but I don't know. Like, I don't think the Raptors are too concerned about getting, um, getting draft capital the other way, just because like, they're so good at drafting the Raptors. Like, I don't think they necessarily, true. I don't think they necessarily like want like those, uh, all those for like first round picks are definitely nice. Don't get me wrong, but, but the Raptors can be fine without it. I think they want the player and especially if you can get a young asset like John Collins, I know I keep going back to him, but that's such an attractive name right now. Can you just call this episode John Collins? He's got, he's got some, like he's got term. He's got next year. He just needs his qualifying offer. And then he's an RFA the season after that. So, so he's someone with term. He's young. He's exactly what the Raptors need right now. Uh, I guess so. All right, let's move to the move away from John Collins. And I, I know you don't want to, <laughs> but you should. Uh, let's jump into uh, the Jays because training is in less than 48 hours. Uh, pitchers and catchers report to Dunedin. Uh, I know we, uh, where, where is this team going to friggin' play? I still don't know. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, they don't know yet. I heard something none of it was official just like rumors but i heard that like they might start their season because by the by mid-season they might be able to come back to toronto right who knows like it's such a fluid situation but i heard something that they might be able to play their games they might be able to play their games in um in dunedin but their lights aren't as high as they need to be for like playing night games so they're going to be playing all their games during the day and then, and like that's for like the first half or whatever, because then by the second half they might be able to go and to go back to, to Toronto, right? Um, and I think what it really comes down to is I I, I see them start the season at least in Dunedin. Uh, I don't think that the league wants them to go back to Buffalo. I don't know why, but it's Buffalo. Who wants to go to Buffalo? I mean, yeah, but Major League Baseball also doesn't like. Uh, when teams and by teams I mean the Yankees. Oh, the lighting was bad. I can't mm-hmm. see the strike zone. It was glare. Well, like, uh, if, yourself. That, if that's the problem, if that's what really gave up uh, Grand Slam, and especially for a guy that uh, says you could strike out Babe Ruth, uh, good luck with that, buddy. Um, like the thing is, is like, and I was listening to. So, earlier in the car and uh, they were talking about how I, you know, very much so the team is they're close, but they're just going to add a lot more. And that's why they went out and got guys like uh, a stats or a, uh, who was the other guy that they, they got, like they brought Robbie Ray back as well. And that's like kind of what they're looking for guys that are, you know, they see something in and to me, they're kind of like uh, cautiously buyers, especially when you go into the deadline, because, you know, they're not going for it, but they're like, okay, if we, if we buy, we can go and buy for this guy to help us out. If yeah. we go and sell like, like guys like Semyon and Ray and Matt's that are, I believe are all contracts. So they can just bite the bullet. Um, but he, he said something that was very, I don't know, I want to, I want to get your take on it. 
saying that Taiwan Walker is more of a depth piece and a placeholder than getting another starter in the rotation. I think Walker is a solid number two and a terrific number three. Right yeah. now, he's an upgrade. Because right now, the way that the Blue Jays want to play this, I think they want to put Walker in the – not Walker, sorry. I think they want to put Pearson in the three spot. In the three spot. So that would mean right now the two spot would be Robbie Ray. And I don't like Robbie Ray in that in that three spot. Ideally, you'd want to add perhaps a Walker, maybe maybe even a uh, Order Izzy or Order Izzy or, or – you acquire Sonny Gray or Luis Castillo. And then in four, you put four, you put Robbie Ray and five. You can have your pick of, um, Chatwood, Matt's, um, I don't even know Baruchy's healthy. That guy seems to never be healthy. Um, you can put Anthony K in that five spot. Like there's a lot of options for the five spot, it's just like you need one more piece to like make that rotation seem a little more legit. Cause at the end of the day, we still don't know what we have in Walker or, or in Pearson. Pearson is still, Pearson is still like extremely young and like he only played the shortened season last year and got injured. So you don't know what, what you have in him yet. There's a chance he could be an ace and then you have, you move him down to the two and then you have Ryu and, and Pearson like just being world beaters. Right. But you can't just bank on that either, especially at the like where the Blue Jays are now. They're in like a position where they can just completely, where they can compete, right? So you don't want to just waste a year just because you're not sure of what you have in one of your young guys. So I think they have to go out and get and get an arm. Like if you're looking at like the arms that are going to be up next year, especially like if you look at the deadline per se, um, I'm looking at players that are basically just going to be free agents regardless, like players that have options or, or anything Do you like wait that. for the deadline? Like, I'd rather them just get that figured out now. And then if you want to add, if you want to bolster it, come playoff time or it's for that final run, so if you want to try to compete for the division, then you go and get, you get that other arm after that. To me, it's almost like this, this team's kind of just biting the bullet and they're going to roar at least for the first half of the season. Oh, I don't want Rourke at all. Not even in the five, man. I think there's there's better options than him. Exactly. And I think I'd rather like, have Matt. I'd rather have K. <laughs> that should be your four and five if that's well, well, yeah. Well, there are, there are some really good starters that are going to that I would really. Like I'd have. Take I'd have Chatwood ahead of him too. I think Chatwood's like there are some guys I think that the Jays would be interested in. Um one being like Martin Perez, uh, if they want another lefty. I know he's with the Red Sox, but I mean, like the Red Sox really aren't doing anything right now. Uh, one picture that I just saw right now, I would really be interested in would be a John Gray, um, considering he's, yes, he's played on the Rockies and they're very much a uh, tire fire right now. But like Josh Gray is basically their uh, best probably their number two starter behind uh, German Marquez. Uh, and and he, he's gotten roughed up a little bit. Or uh, Oh, John. Sorry, did I say Josh Gray? Yeah. No, you yeah. said John Gray. I don't, know, I don't know why I said, I think I typed in Josh Gray. Um, but like with John Gray, like I know he's struggled, but again, like, you know, you have to keep in mind, he's been playing in a, a very hitter friendly ballpark. 
Uh, I think if you give him a change of scenery, he can kind of really produce. Uh, Might regress given that he's not playing more than half or like half his starts in in a in a pitcher's friendly ballpark. Wait, no, never mind. It's hitters friendly. My bad. <laughs> yeah, very hitter friendly. And like, there's a couple like bottom feeders I'm sure they'll be interested in. Like, uh, one that I was interested in more. Who? You don't remember Matt Moore? Yeah, I do. Um, um, I, I think, like, I think, I don't think that really solves any of the Blue Jays' issues for that two spot. Oh, if you want to look at a two spot, then like there's obviously some some really good. Because if, like, you, if you if you solve that two spot, the rest of the rotation is fine. If Pearson at three, Ray at four, and one of Matt's Chatwood or K at the five, ideally. Well, if you want to look at guys that have some, well, like here's here's kind of what I was thinking, and I know I know that the Dodgers. They were just gonna like eat the cap hit. Well, not the cap hit, but they're gonna eat the salary. Why not David Price? Like, yeah, that's a name I was looking at. Possible trade because trade scenario. Like, like if you look at what the Dodgers have done over the course of the last, they don't need like, Price. Couple of of months, really over the last year. If you want to look at it that way, like just looking at it right now, based on what have pulled up here, the Dodgers free agent like they've got. They got Bauer making thirty-four million. Uh, 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 Turner making, I think, uh, around twelve million for the next years. Um, they brought back Alex, or they lost what I should say. Um, but like, even so, even though they brought in two players in the form, like, okay, brought back one player and then bring in another one, have a lot. They have a lot to go out and. Uh, Oh God! Turning into you, uh, but they still have a lot to go out and in terms of money because, like, there's no way that that the team's going to do this. But then I thought about it in the form of the fact that the CBA is up this year, and now that the CBA is up, then that's where the Dodgers will be like, okay, screw, spend to the friggin' luxury tax now. That CBA is renegotiated, and eventually there's going to be a baseball strike. Then that's when you go. And that's when you just figure it out. Exactly. That's when you like, okay, like, you know, we'll cut our losses, and at that point, price will be like, I think he's, I think he's thirty-five or thirty-six. Right uh, now, right now he's thirty-five. He's going to be thirty-six by the time the summer hits. So even like, then, like. I think Price would be fine for depth, though. I don't know if I like him in the number two spot, but that's also a lot better than that. Also pushes Rourke out of the equation, who I really don't want to see in the rotation. Yeah, and I mean, like he's pitched here before; he knows what it's like. Um, he knows what it's like to be playing for the Jays while they have a very good team, too. Exactly. Obviously, like if you look at like comparison from like six years ago until now. Obviously, again, everybody's older. You know, I don't think any of the guys from those playoff runs are still with the team from player-wise. Manager, managerial-wise, I think, like, I know Pete Walker, I think, is the only one that's still there. Uh, mm-hmm. Everyone else is all different. Um, so he was kind of like the name where I was like, okay. You know, pitched in the AL all of his career. He's pitched in the AL majority of his career. The AL East. 
specifically. Yeah. Exactly. Well, other yeah. than the, other than the stint with the Tigers. Exactly. He's he's pitcher, and like you don't know how he's going to be in the National League. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he could be better. He could be worse. Who knows, right? And I think like, and also like you look at the teams he's playing against. Like I, sh- I'm sure he loves pitching against the Yankees. He'll definitely love pitching against the Red Sox more because of how the media treated him there. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, the Rays, obviously, the team that drafted him, the team that developed him. And then you have the Orioles, which is, well, they're the Orioles. If Rourke's going to start, he can start against the Orioles every time they play them. Exactly. And, I mean, the thing is, is, like, um, there are still very much a lot of uh, pitchers very much available. Um, Like you mentioned, Luis Castillo's available. Sonny Gray is another name that I think they should really look at. Um. Kyle Hendricks. Yeah, Kyle and uh, Chris Bryant, both with the Cubs, even though I think the Cubs. I don't think the Cubs are viable anymore because I remember there was that rumor about the Jays going for them um, along with package together with Bryant. I don't think that's an option for the Jays anymore. I think they're infield. Excuse me. I think they're infields figured out. Well, if the Cubs Cubs go ahead and, and make a move, then, like again, like like you said, like the infield's basically figured out. I see Sabian moving to third before Biggio finishes the year at third. That's just me. I, I even think I think I even think Guerrero Jr. will get like some games at third too. Like maybe like twenty five percent of the games playing third, just because like they they built this roster for it to be flexible. That's a maybe for me, just because like again, like I'm not sure what to expect. Hendricks would definitely be a guy well, that I look Well, here's at. the thing with Guerrero Jr. His best, his best tool defensively is is his arm, and when you put him at first base, you just completely eliminate that. Oh yeah, he's definitely going to work his way back to uh, to being a third baseman. I think at least early. That's just me. Like I, I think to start, no, like midway through the year, they think okay, like, and then you work out his uh, defensive. Miscues and you go ahead and do them. Uh, another name that I was looking at that I'm surprised the Jays haven't went out and signed or gotten. Uh, oh, actually, well, they, he ended up going obviously to the. He went somewhere. No, he did go somewhere else. Uh, like a Chris Bassett, like someone really like cheap. I think would really be interested in really mm-hmm. trying. Matt Boyd, who was Jays property, would be one that might also be. Uh, I don't know, like the names we we were saying earlier. Like to me, it's between they should be looking at one of four of Castillo, Gray, and via trade or via free agency would be Walker or Orderizzi. Those are the four names I'd like to be in that number two spot. Personally, if only the Pirates did just get rid of all of their pitching. Like they had like like Archer's uh, a member of the the, the Rays again. Trevor Williams, yeah. I think, is with the Cubs. Uh, Joe Musgrove's a Padre now. I think their only their best pitcher is definitely Mitch Keller, but who knows what that's going to be? Uh, yeah, they really don't have. Derek Holland, I don't. I honestly think would be a good uh, five guy, at least as a placeholder. Who knows? Maybe the, maybe something big's going to happen, and the Jays get two more of those arms that we these names that we mentioned, and their rotation is. And then I think that would make them all these favorites, but. I don't think they're willing to make a big splash yet. I think they want to be the kind of team that just 
we've done what we can do now. Unless they're really confident in in Pearson. Yeah. Like if they, they don't go done. out and get another and get another arm for the rotation, that's what that tells me. Yeah, it, it tells me that they're pretty confident. Mm-hmm. But you know, again, I don't know what's to be expected. We'll see. We'll I, see. There's a there's. It's kind of almost too quiet, so I have a feeling something's gonna happen. Yeah, but uh, again, there's there's a lot of time between now and first pitch. Mm-hmm. Six and, weeks uh, ish. About that, yeah, April first. Yeah, which, which is weird, but again, who knows? Anyways, I think that's that's it for today. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, once again, we'll go ahead and, uh, plug the medias. So, uh, Joey mentioned it before, uh, but follow us on Twitter at underscore city roundup and at, uh, Instagram at queen city roundup. Where we I actually think I forgot to mention it at the top of the show, but we're mentioning well, it now. Mentioned it. Uh, and, uh, you know, very much is uh what was i thinking about that's really about it go shovel your snow if you haven't or (laughs) if you've shoveled your snow already always uh just uh just chill there's still we're still in deep of this uh weird time see texas they got one inch of snow and have no idea how to function i mean like if you know if you just say if it snows on a Texan, uh, you know, they'll uh, they'll melt. Mm-hmm. Anyways, any final final thoughts? Uh, let's hope we don't do another one of these leaf uh, reactions on uh, next week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And go follow at some sends on Twitter. Go support some sense, you dingling. No, it's at some sense. It's their at. Their oh, you Twitter. actually. Oh, you actually said yes. the handle. Yes, I did. Anyways, go wow. give them a follow. They're good guys. And yeah, that's everything. We will see you next week.